Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Forever Dog Welcome back to the QWERTY Podcast. I'm your host, Gabe Gonzalez, and you're listening to a blessed podcast union between QWERTY and Forever Dog, where I will be covering news, politics, and pop culture that is impacting the LGBTQ community. And I will invite a guest to come hang out a little bit. We're going to reflect on the week and just generally keep it cute. Might get a little saucy. We might keep it fun. Who knows? Who knows? We're going in many directions. This week, uh, we are covering the week's news. Uh, That is one thing I know we will be doing, though, including why one U.S. representative dragged five different corporations, in particular for celebrating Pride, the EU country passing homophobic laws last seen making headlines due to a gay orgy, and the meaninglessness of celebrities invoking cancel culture while continuing to make millions. Plus, we've got a real cute guest today, rapper, podcast host, podcast producer, bear royalty, jockstrap connoisseur, and my dear friend, Big Dipper is on the show. You may know him from his podcast, Sloppy Seconds, or from hearing him gently correct Willem on Race Chaser, or even from his 2020 single, Back Up, Off Me. And now he is here to hang out for a little bit and talk about the leakage that launched his career, some of his favorite podcast guests, and uh, just how he keeps so many balls up in the air. But first, we're going to go over to those headlines in a quick roundup of my favorite stories from the week we like to call Catch Her Up. All right, our first story this week, Pramila Jayapal shredded companies celebrating pride while donating to anti-LGBTQ politicians. Basically, the Washington state representative, who is the parent of a non-binary child, took to Twitter to point out the hypocrisy of several companies changing their logos and Twitter backgrounds to celebrate Pride Month uh, with various rainbow designs, while simultaneously supporting parties and politicians blocking legislation aimed at providing equity for LGBTQ people. Whoa, cute pride logo, she wrote to Walmart. What's not cute is giving more than 150 thousand dollars to Mitch McConnell and other GOP senators who are actively blocking the Equity Act from becoming law. What a fun pride display, she wrote in another tweet to American Airlines. But what's not fun is that American Airlines donated $46,617 to Mitch McConnell's 2020 campaign while he actively blocked the Equality Act from becoming law. I love the specificity of those receipts and the very quaint greeting that accompanies them. She also called out companies like Raytheon, JPMorgan Chase, and AT&T for similar donations And she actually joins a movement on Twitter called hashtag keep your pride that aims to point out, quote, five companies who sponsor major pride events that also give to anti-LGBTQ lawmakers who actively sought to harm the community. I am thrilled. This is some of the best tweeting I've seen from politicians. I usually mute them all, but this was thrilling. (laughs) 
All right, our second story of the week, uh, on less of a high note, maybe some less exciting news. Hungary bans mention of gay people in school or media under a new law targeting the LGBTQ community. I am talking about the European country, not the incredibly well-made-up uh, drag queen. Really awesome makeup designs, if you aren't familiar with Hungary. We're talking about the Eastern European country. So supporters of the law claim it aims to fight what they call pedophilia and sexual abuse, but actually prohibits TV programs and schools from talking about gay people at all. The law also only allows organizations registered on a government list to conduct sex education in schools, which should end wonderfully, considering the Hungarian government under the leadership of far-right President Viktor Orban also recently passed a a separate law that closely resembles Russia's ban on so-called homosexual propaganda. Uh, Hungary is an EU member, and just to remind you, it is the same country where one of their EU parliament members from Viktor Orban's far-right party was caught at a gay orgy in Brussels during the pandemic, where attendees attempted to unzip police officers' pants because they assumed the uniforms were part of some sort of role-play. So... Just chew on that for a little bit. Anyway, this isn't the first set of anti-LGBTQ laws passed in that country by a bunch of hypocritical bigots. Last May, the country banned trans people from updating their IDs. And last December, they amended their constitution, changed their constitution to prohibit same-sex couples from adopting. Wild stuff happening there. Would love to see the way maybe the EU could put pressure on them to stop doing that. All right, let's move on to our very last headline of the week. Comedian Kevin Hart is once again complaining about being canceled, this time while promoting a movie. So in an interview with the Sunday Times, Hart talked about the backlash he received in 2019 over homophobic tweets he wrote years earlier, resulting in him stepping down from hosting the Oscars. And despite saying he's over it, he still seems at the very least under it. I don't know. I want to address two different things here real quick. One, what Kevin Hart said and how people reacted to it. And then two, why cancel culture is essentially a meaningless phrase, at least the way he's using it. But let's set the scene here first. Okay. So Kevin Hart told the Sunday Times, quote, if somebody has done something truly damaging, then absolutely a consequence should be attached. But when you talk about nonsense, implying that he was treated unfairly for his past words. And for the record, the nonsense he's referring to includes a tweet where he implied he would break a dollhouse over his son's head if he found him playing with one, as well as other tweets where he used homophobic slurs like fag boy, gay face, fat-faced fag, and man-bitch, as well as repeated use of other phrases like no homo and no homo gay. And don't get me wrong, I love having my bitchy gay face lovingly praised in the proper context, but this wasn't that. Kevin Hart is also out here promoting a film that's premiering on Netflix. He has a thriving production company. Clearly, nobody is trying to wipe his career off the face of the planet, nor is that what most critics were asking for. At least from my perspective and my understanding, the frustration came with how he reacted when confronted with his past language, right? Instead of apologizing and meaningfully owning the harm, he did issue an apology. He still continues to this day to double down on it by downplaying the impact of his words and calling them nonsense, right? This is a very recent interview, which isn't nonsense to the thousands of LGBTQ youth in this country and others that data shows already face elevated rates of parental abuse and homelessness. So to me, it is this eagerness to cry victim over cancel culture instead of maybe understanding the harm and trying to make amends that makes the phrase kind of a shield for sidestepping accountability and to me seems at least meaningless. I do want to quote my friend Dylan Marin here who had a great tweet in 2019 that still perfectly outlines what cancel culture is kind of or what it isn't. He wrote, quote, cancel culture is an imprecise term that falsely groups together three real but separate things, justified criticism, unnecessary pylons, and mob mentality, end quote. So here's to hoping Kevin Hart can find time to listen to the justified criticism, of which there is many, while promoting his various projects. My condolences for being canceled. Yeah. 
Now it is time to bring on our guest, who I am so excited to talk to, a rapper, a performer, a podcast host slash producer and queer tea nominee, who you may know as the co-host of Sloppy Seconds alongside Meatball, a producer and sound wizard on the podcast Race Chaser, and the person behind the recent single Backup Off Me, off of the Ham and Cheese EP. I am simply salivating at saying those words. Please welcome to the QWERTY podcast, Big Dipper. How are you? Hello. How you doing? I'm great. How are you? I loved hearing uh, like a news roundup from you. You're so quick, but also uh, you're quick in both sense of the word. You read them fast, but you also read them. <laughs> yes. Fast. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> yes. I have. I like a detailed outline when I'm doing a proper reading. I'm like, you know what? Let me come with <laughs> citations. Let's come with dates and precise. Let's times. all remember the Hungarian sex party mid pandemic, which that was a headline I definitely remembered. <laughs> Who among us does not? I just. <laughs> So I know you mentioned that I produce a lot of these podcasts. One of the newest shows that we launched is um, called High Jinx, and it's with Jinx Monsoon. And she yes. hosts, it's like a one-on-one -on -one interview show where she just like talks to interesting people. And she told a story. I do a lot of podcasting, so I can't tell you what episode it was on. But she told a story, it may have been with Joel Kim Booster, about her high school slash middle school bully who used to like call her a fag all the time and just like be horrible. Then recently, you know, within the last decade, she has discovered that he's doing gay porn now. And she's like the whole swirling thing of like gotcha bitch but then also it's like um well okay cool maybe that's maybe that's who you are and you just didn't know but then also like is it hot that your bully like you can now like watch your bully get f***ed in the ass like <laughs> oh god like, there's so many things that i feel like we you know just the the things we have to deal with as queer folks i feel like that's an existential crisis you could dedicate a whole season to just Truly. jinx unpacking that one phenomenon oh my god i love that i cannot believe you've added yet another podcast to your roster this it's truly that's wild we have eight shows over there now whole eight. and you are helping produce all of them you're like editing and well yeah i mean there's a whole team there's a big okay, team yeah, yeah. of people i'm oh, i'm bless. one of the executive producers at mom so right. yes i oversee all the shows but we moguls have of media moguls of media yes. honey we have um hijinks which is jinx's uh interview show we have want to be on top hosted by shay kool which is all about top model yes oh yeah we have famous this week which is hosted by brooklyn and priyanka it's a pop culture weekly roundup show we have my show with meatball called stop seconds uh which comes out twice a week we have the chop with latrice manila where they talk about international drag race franchises we have very that with delton raja which is like the chef's kiss of nostalgic 90s drag queens talking shit it's literally so wonderful and then of course we have our flagship uh show race chaser with alaska and willem and then just recently we launched um we're doing like an eight episode limited series about pageants called pageant pod which Ooh. we talk about different pageants pageant systems and all of like the amazing people that you know have done drag prior to television who who's hosting that one it's alaska and willem they're hosting it and then we have interviews from like a lot of drag race queens who did pageants you know because that's like a lot of the access point right now is like oh i see you from tv i can listen to you talk about amazing other people <laughs> And the wild thing is, I think, like, the term pageant girl has been, like, it's been used a lot in drag race, but I think people don't really have an idea of what goes into it. Like, 
I think it was Mercedes Iman who was talking about like literally being physically worn out from driving to pageants. And I had this idea that like pageants were like these like really cute, I don't know, maybe like showcases or like conventions over a weekend. But it, it was more like doing speech and debate in high school. It was like driving Cut. out throat like 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 people who play the club sports in high school where you had to like not only pay to be a part of it but then you had to buy the right gear and the uniform and travel yourself and you know like all of the extra expenses queens who are who perform in bars on the weekend who have a day job during the week who enter a pageant will spend 20 or $30,000 of their own money to compete in a pageant where the prize money is 4 grand $4,500. And then maybe you can make that up in the rest of the, but it's about the prestige. It's about the title. It's about the accomplishment. It's really incredible. And there are a bunch of, we've recently watched a bunch of really amazing documentaries that exist about pageants. There's the 1968 film, The Queen, which is on Netflix. Yeah. Which mm-hmm. is to watch faggots and drag queens be the exact same, but just slightly different slang in the 60s. That is incredible. It's such an amazing time capsule. There's a film called Pageant, which is about Miss Gay America. That's on Vimeo. There's another film called The Queens, which is about Miss Continental. Like, there are amazing documentaries. And, like, you know, drag is, like, so fascinating to talk about. You know, we're in a drag boom. We're in a comedy and a drag boom. I do feel like drag queens are timeless. I, I was reading this article about this black drag queen named William Dorsey Swan, who went by the queen, who I think in like the late 1800s or early 1900s was arrested for throwing like a drag ball, basically. Like <gasps> authorities found eight quote unquote men dressed as women and was like the first, I guess, openly queer black person to like ask the president for a pardon. Like literally wrote the president at the time was like, you need to give me a pardon for throwing a drag ball. Uh, truly wild. And I forget the name of the academic that kind of unearthed this document that showed William Dorsey Swan's story, but wild to me that like so many of the same things that we kind of see echoed in those stories of Stonewall in the 1960s have reverberated throughout history. You know what I mean? It's like we're, we're yes. not in this little. Yeah, it's it's just there are these connections. Um, that was mind blowing. Also, in 1992, a drag queen from Chicago named Joan Jett Black ran for president. <gasps> are you serious? It was like a publicity stunt, but it was also like legitimate. Like she was like an activist and. It was like real and fake. Like they pulled a stunt by going to, I think they went to the Republican National Convention and like got down on the floor and like was <laughs> able to like speak. And she was like in full drag. And um, do you know the playwright Terrell Alvin McCraney? Ooh, that sounds so familiar. No. So Terrell wrote a play called Miss Black for President that they did at Steppenwolf a few years ago all about this. That's incredible. Wait, were you in Chicago when it came out? Because I know you, you're like, uh, you see I went Chicago back and visited because my friend Patrick was in it. So I was back. I was actually doing a show in the cabaret space at Steppenwolf. I was doing like a rap show, <laughs> in like in a sit down cabaret space. Yes. And then when I was there for my tech rehearsal, they were like, you know, we can get you tickets to the play upstairs. And I went <gasps> upstairs and it was this amazing play. I called Miss Black for president. That's incredible. Also amazing timing. Wait, this is okay. So this is actually a fun throwback because I remember I I first heard of you ever in my life while I was in Chicago for like a semester in college. Really? 
for real. I think it was, I, I was there early 2012 and I think Drip Drop had just come out <laughs> like very recently around that time. And I was like hooking up with some dude who was in an open relationship in Andersonville who had chickens in his backyard. And one of the first things he did was show me your music video. And he was like, we've got to go see him play like... Yeah, that was so crazy. And I now understand what you meant in your copy when you said the leak that started his career. Because I was like, what? See what what leak? Yeah. Was there like a document? <laughs> Did I get doxxed like a decade ago? No, the song Drip Drop got it. Yes, Which, ma'am. you know, is, is something I, I'm curious what you think about this like we live in this age like drip drop to me was really fun and amazing i was incredibly proud to make the 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 music video it involves so many people from like the scene in chicago i made it on on literally no money total passion project it ignited this excitement in me to like make videos to independently produce to put stuff on youtube which i'd never done before youtube was only like four or five years old at that time or maybe even three years old at that time like it was this whole thing but look Looking back on it, like I would never make something like that today. Like I have a bad Jamaican accent in part of the song. It is like (laughs) relatively appropriative. Like it's sort of up and an embarrassment in my like when I look at my music, I don't I don't even perform drip drop anymore because it just feels like "Eh, I don't want to deal with that. But I've had people talk to me about it because of this conversation and they're like well you can just take it down the melody is a parody of a disney song Mm -hmm. so i was never able to sell it i was never able to monetize it it's just the music video but to me we are this new generation of living in a world where everything goes on the internet and you know you you get to show your evolution you get to become an adult in my 20s i was like thank God, I didn't have a blog when I was 14. (laughs) Like, thank God I didn't get on the internet like publicly aside from Facebook until I was like 26 when I started my Twitter account to promote the music video. Like, because, you know, we make so many mistakes as people and we learn. Mm -hmm. But I also really stand by the idea of like, why scrub the internet of who you were as you like show the evolution show the growth show show the history it's it's cool because it's like a living time capsule yeah absolutely and i think there's something to be said about that right that like i think we all remember a time where we were far less educated about the lives of others that weren't exactly like our own you know what i mean it's just like it comes with privilege sometimes it comes with ignorance and so i don't know sometimes it comes with a lack of whatever you might call an education but i you know, I think it goes back to this conversation we were having about cancel culture, right? I think it's like, I, I don't think every mistake is is like punished by by like being eviscerated, right? I think we all know everybody makes mistakes. But I think when you right. are in a platform or a position of power, I think making amends for those mistakes and owning them more publicly is important, right? But I also think it is important to look at someone's body of work and kind of what you are now and, and who you are now, right? When I started right. stand-up, I was making terrible jokes, like deeply unfun. <laughs> Nothing like deeply like gonna... racist or f***ed up, but it was just not funny. You know what I mean? I was going to ask, are there any like videos like from stand-up shows that you wish didn't exist on the internet? Not from stand-up. I remember when I was doing speech and debate in high school. Uh, I know, yeah. We all, we, you had to play every character, right? And you had to, like, distinguish their voices. And there was one where they were like, oh, you know, like, you're working with archetypes. I'm, like, 16 years old, and your speech coach is like, okay, well, like, make that one, like, have, like, a Mexican accent, and make that one sound fat, and make that one sound black. And it's like, these, this is how you know they're different people. And it's, like, wow. crazy, because an adult is telling you, like, these are how you differentiate these characters. Not every adult, right? Some 
some adults in that were like, hey, bring a little nuance, even in the comedy to it. But it right. is, you know, that was it, it was normal to see other folks doing humorous interpretation in that time, kind of doing these accents that now I would cringe at or not tell us or st- absolutely tell a student not to do. And I don't know how that got online. It was wild. It was like the speech nationals from some year. And I was like, 17, they're like, what's the upload all the archives old. and embarrass know, all these right? people who are like, trying to God, make a career of themselves? No. Yeah. I was, um, you know, obviously, I'm sure I, you may have, it may have made its way into one of your top stories, or at least to mention the Friends reunion. And yeah. I think so many of us watched that show because it was on forever. And I've been sort of like putting it on in the background to like remind myself. And I was expecting it. First of all, obviously, it's incredibly white show. Like every mm-hmm. single bit part ever is also a white person. Like there was never anything <laughs> different on that Not show. Not like Aisha Taylor on like maybe season six was it i don't even know later it's like like, eight or nine she comes on and she dates uh uh who joey they're both archaeologists yeah she falls in love yes but i was sort of expecting there to be like way more bad jokes there are some missteps and there are some bad jokes they're definitely like racist and homophobic and transphobic jokes because it was the 90s and that's what people were writing or at least white comedians were writing but um i was sort of expecting it to be like like cringe city every time and i was surprised that it wasn't as bad as i expected it because sometimes i think like to about the cancel culture like speaking of kevin hart i feel like as a as a society, as an internet place, we are so much more likely to look at someone like Kevin Hart and jump on the cancel bandwagon because you go, he does have a production company. He did make a Netflix movie. He does have millions of dollars. Uh, let's say cancel Kevin Hart versus a person you meet on the street who says something sideways and you take a moment to say to them, hey, I think you meant to say this or uh, I think you don't understand the consequence of that thing that you said or the reverberations of it. And, you know, just like everything, we look at the, we look at the people who have the, the f***ing money and the jobs and the power and we go like, I want to cancel you. I don't want to cancel my neighbor because, you know, he saw me holding hands with someone who called me a faggot. I want to talk to him. Yeah, and I think so much of that, too, is also in how how people in power respond, right? Like, I think we've seen a lot of it. Like, Sarah Silverman did blackface on TV. Her career has not ended, right? And every time she's confronted about it, she does her best to try to make amends. She's talked to people in the industry about it. I think there are clearly still some people that will not work with her, and that's fine. That's their choice to make. I'm not somebody to weigh in on that conversation because I wasn't impacted by it, right? But then I think my thing with Kevin Hart is like, man, why are you bringing up these tweets two weeks later and trying to downplay the impact of that? Like, what is the, A, what is the purpose of that? And like, B, why can't you just be like, that was harmful, people were right. I think some people jumped on the bandwagon even when it didn't impact them. But what I said sucked and like perpetuates this culture of violence. Literally, it's that easy. And I think it really does come down to like someone's response. And, you know, I also do think that sometimes maybe celebrities of color might be judged more harshly than white celebrities in the public eye for a number of variables. But it's like it's difficult. And I think it's like to me, it's just very frustrating to hear somebody throw away valid criticism with maybe some pylons and then just use the pylons to defend themselves and be like, well, people are being mean on the internet and that's unproductive and I didn't do anything wrong. And it's like, well, both things can be true. Maybe you did do something wrong and maybe people are also piling on, babe. So let's sift through that. (laughs) Maybe it's a little from column A and a little from column B. Short King, let's talk. (laughs) It's a shame. I really wanted to be in a movie with Kevin Hart because he's the only man in the industry that could have made me look tall. Him and Tom Cruise, and I can't work with either, so. 
I'm not I'm not talented enough to have the choice, but yeah. Tom Cruise is too busy going to space. He's going <laughs> to shoot true. the action se- sequence of the space uh, station. Oh my god, that's too much. Oh Jesus. Yeah. Okay, we actually have to take a break, but when we come back, I'm actually going to ask you more about you. Okay. I love chatting about things in general. This, is, uh, this has been very refreshing. But when we come back, I do want to ask you a little bit about your recent music, talk a little bit more about Sloppy Seconds, and then we're going to play a game uh, I'm calling Queerly Beloved. So we're going to do that after the break. We'll be right back. Stun. We are back. I am your host, Gabe Gonzalez. This is the QWERTY Podcast. You probably just heard my voice reading a sponsored bit of audio. And I'm back. This is my normal voice. We're in the show again. <laughs> We're here with this Big Dipper. <laughs> this is unsponsored voice. <laughs> oh, God. The sibling test is how you know. I'm just up an octave. <laughs> Okay, so earlier we're talking about you joining the Moguls of Media Network, but I want to like backtrack yeah. it to your entrance into the podcasting world. Yeah. Was Race Chaser the very first podcast you ever worked on? No. So I, so the show that I host uh, with my co host Meatballs called Sloppy Seconds. Yes. And we had a, a previous show, <gasps> Unbearable. Yes. With a similar vibe and a different producer. And we we did that. Basically, when I was living in New York, uh, my friend Lauren, um, she's a comedian, Lauren Lapkus, she was like, hey, I started a podcast. It's called With Special Guest, Lauren Lapkus. And the whole premise of her show was it was an improvised podcast. And she would invite you on the show. And your job as the guest on the show was to host a fake podcast that there would only ever be one episode of. You could pretend it was the first one or the 50th one. <laughs> she would go in completely blind and you'd be like, welcome to Watermelon Chat. I'm, you know, your host, Chip. And today I have the foremost chef of uh, watermelon creations in the world. And like, give, you know, like whatever, give, give the character. And I used to listen to it and love it. And I never listened to a podcast before. And when I decided to move to LA, this is so f- cliche but i was like one of my goals in the first year of moving to la was like oh i want to start a podcast so i met meatball out at like um a club night and i said to meatball i was uh we chatted for like five-ish minutes and i was like wow this is a person who can have a coherent conversation with me i messaged meatball later and i was like hey i think we should have a podcast we were like not friends we didn't know one another but i was like i think this is gonna work i love that that was the bar we could have a conversation it was like i desperately need good connections like well to me it was like i'm so used to going out doing nightlife stuff being in dressing rooms talking to djs like and you talk to people at the club and you like never have any kind of conversation there's a little glaze over their eyes yeah completely and it was like one in the morning and i had like a coherent conversation with meatball and it was like funny and interesting i have later found out meatball was like i was completely blackout drunk no idea what we (laughs) talked about don't remember anything and i was like I pitched you like a project the moment after we met because I was like, you'd be a great podcast host for me. So anyways, we started Unbearable. We did that for a couple of years. Then we and then because I had that show, Willem in Alaska, I got the idea to do Race Chaser. They knew I had a podcast with Meatball. They asked me if I wanted to produce it. We started doing that. And then once we were entrenched with Forever Dog and like doing such good work over there, we moved Meatball and I over to Forever Dog. We changed the name and now it's Sloppy Seconds, which 
we've been doing I just looked at the fucking episode count there's like 150 episodes of the show wow. of seconds. <laughs> happy anniversary to <laughs> you too and all we ever do is talk about whether or not your your asshole can self lubricate like oh, a vagina honey, I am caught up on the drama I'm caught up on the medical <laughs> drama we got a doctor. We're having a doctor on next week to talk about <laughs> anal mucus. That's all I'm saying. We're very excited. You got cyberbullied into booking a medical expert. <laughs> yeah, everyone was like, everyone was like, you guys are bad people because you're putting uh, hearsay and non-factual information. I'm like, do you think we are a news program? Do you take me as a CNN anchor? Like, this is not journalism. We're talking hot over here what yeah, are you talking it was about wild too because like i when i hear you on race chaser it early, early on it was like you were just like the gentle fact checker who was like actually i just read the article this morning guys and, it, and it's it's this it's you know just <laughs> so let's you were you were the voice of reason there and look how the tables have turned yeah exactly <laughs> over on my own show where i could yeah. be correct we're just talking about nothing that is real yeah exactly <laughs> So yeah, uh, that that whole thing sort of, you know, I'm a person who loves to do lots of different things. I went to school for theater and I did a bunch of improv, but I didn't want to be an actor. So I tried mm-hmm. to be a director and I was producing. When I lived in Chicago, I was like directing and producing independent theater. I was still doing improv and then I started making music and then I used to dance at nightclubs. And then I, you know, because of my music videos, I started getting booked out of town and then I was a recording artist. You know, I, I try to, you know, do a lot of things because I enjoy doing a lot of things. And I'm really grateful because in this past year, the one thing I was able to really do is podcast because people could have a mic at home and get on Zoom. And we were able to basically continue to entertain the listeners without having to fly to a city and put on a show and and do all that. So we really took advantage of the last year when I wasn't busy doing other stuff. And we grew the the whole mom roster. And um, it feels very much like putting our babies out into the world because we're we're coming up on the one year anniversary of sort of like franchising out like outside of race chaser and and sort of using what we've built to 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 launch all these other shows and pretty soon everyone's going to be traveling and gigging and like the little shows are going to exist on their own islands and I'm going to be off doing my own stuff I'm making new music and getting ready to tour again um in this, you know, probably in 2022. So right now it's all about finishing music and putting out new music videos. And then I'm going to like, you know, check in on my podcast app and be like, oh, all the little babies are doing well. They're going to college. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) Actually, they're going to theater camp. Let's be honest. I'm like, oh, all the other shows are also talking about anal mucus. Good for them. (laughs) Trendsetters. That's how you know they're related. I love it. (laughs) Okay, so you've had, you've actually had some like, very great guests recently folks that i love on sloppy seconds you had juno birch who's yes. just one of my favorite people on the internet you had charlene truly brooklyn royalty just we barely major. spoke we were like so and she was like let me tell you <laughs> she, you barely need to prompt her it's she's gorgeous. amazing it's amazing yeah. she's really really incredible um and it's like that in person but it's just like so charming and glowing uh, it's like Really, it's like a little campfire anytime she decides to speak. Yes. It's thrilling. It's really fantastic. Also, she's got a, a an incredible Patty uh, Lapone lip sync. I forget what song it's to, it, but she did it in like the middle of the forest, and it's like saved on my phone. It's that good. I just watch it when I'm on planes in public transit. She's the most. She's such a pass, impassioned lip syncer. She and and her choices are always so wild, but then they're like. I'm here for it. I'm fully signed up. I'm ready to go. I'm on board. So perfect. Uh, But I say all this because I want to know 
what who are like maybe some of the most memorable folks you've had on the podcast or somebody that like really surprised you like you booked them and you thought it was going to be about one thing and then you were like oh wow like this is happening this way oh my gosh besides matthew camp and anal mucus (laughs) (laughs) i'm like i almost want to uh look up the show and just look at um, yeah i was like do you remember your first guest ever i just started this year so i can still you're like rupaul with episodes like you can't you know what i mean like so many (laughs) like rupaul trying to remember the name of a drag queen which will never happen what season Um, were you on as if it'll help her narrow it down Um, I do remember our first guest was just comedian Casey uh, Lie. Do you know Casey Lie? No. Mm-mm. So Casey, Casey's a stand-up, hilarious, very funny, co-hosts a podcast called The Gay Power Half Hour uh, with Tony Soto. And Casey's great. And we had Casey on the show. And what's funny about Casey is that I met Casey... Uh, when I was studying abroad in London, uh, Casey was like living in this like apartment building that also had some people who were going up to my school. So it was like sort of like lots of different study abroad people lived in that building. And so we would go over there to socialize and Casey would always be there and he was out and I was out, but not like we were living in London. The drinking age is like 18. And we like, I should have been going to fucking gay bars the entire time I was there. And I like, didn't, I like was watching DVDs of the OC and being like, no one wants to fuck me. Oh, like, no. <laughs> but so I developed, you know, those like young crushes that you have on someone like, and it's just because they're gay. Yep. Yeah. And so like I had this huge crush on Casey and then I later and we like friend each other on Facebook and I was always sort of like aware of him. And when I moved to L.A., I was like, oh, bitch, you know, all my friends and you're a stand up comedian. Like, oh, shit. So we like rekindled the friendship. And I think Casey was our first ever guest on Sloppy Seconds. Your first crush. Well, not your first, but perhaps no. a memorable one. Can't that be is so funny. Naturally not. We just had Monet exchange on the show and she was hitting on me and I had no idea. She was like, we on sibling rivalry always talk about how I want to be a dick pig for you. I was like, Monet, I had no idea because also I don't listen to her podcast. That, well, see, that's the thing where you're making podcasts. It's very hard to listen to other podcasts. It's like when I was editing porn, I couldn't watch porn. You know what I mean? Right. Right. It feels like work. There are two podcasts that I listen to that are not that I don't produce. Uh-huh. Uh, or there are three. One is The Read, which mm. I've been listening to for years and Classic. I can like, never miss it. Mm-hmm. Two is I listen to the uh, What A Day daily uh, news show with Gideon Resnick and Akilah Hughes. Ooh, uh, they're on- great. Yes. And then I'll sometimes binge listen to like Radiolab episodes on the weekend when I don't mm. want to hear like drag queens cackling. Yes. Uh, but other than that, I just listen to the shows that we make and I have a great time doing it. But it's like, it, you know, that's that's what I'm out here doing. Yeah. It's funny because Race Chaser was one of mine. Another one mm-hmm. got canceled. It was called Nancy. It was hosted by Tobin Lowe and Kathy too. Kathy too. I love that show. Ugh, I love them so much. And then my nerdy thing is Wait, Wait, Don't Tell Me on the weekends. Oh, sure. And they've started bringing Joel on. They're like bringing more queer people on that aren't Mo Rocca. And it's, <laughs> it's great. It's great. <laughs> That's like a quiz show, right? Yes. And it's film, It's recorded in Chicago. It's hosted by Peter Sagal. And it's just like, it's really, and it's so funny because he brought Simone on and like nobody on the panel knew what Drag Race was. They were like, so you're telling me that you do this? And I was like, disrespectful. Got one person on there who knows what's up. Diva, I never watched a single episode of Mad Men in my life, but it won so many awards. I knew what it was. Drag Race is the most Emmy nominated reality TV show competition show ever. It now has like, crossed that line. You have to at least know, and you could say, 
the winner of RuPaul's Drag Race. Truly. At the very least. It was, I, I don't know, straight people pretending yeah. they don't know about gay shit that's already on VH1 is infuriating to me. I'm like, you, I know you know what this is. Let's not play. Yes, but I pretend I don't know about sports all the time. <laughs> I do too. Even though my whole family's from Tampa Bay and all they talk about is Tom Brady. Now I have to know who he is. Uh, it's terrible. <laughs> it's the worst. All right. I literally, I wanted to talk to you about so many things. I wanted to ask you about All-Star 6 and like if you've seen Legendary and just... Oh my God. <laughs> so I feel like we need another episode well we can i'll, I'll give you the quick i can give you the quick fire answer i'm excited for all-star six yes. but now drag race is my work so it's a mm-hmm. little bit of both i'm excited mm-hmm. but also i know i'll be um tapping out an outline while we watch i'm saving legendary for when i can binge all of season two because that's what i did with season one it was like so good to do but i've seen a lot of the looks i'm very excited for it and you mentioned my music video and i yes. do just want to say i shot this music video called Back Up Off Me. We shot it at the LA Eagle. We shot it like two weeks before the shutdown happened in LA. It was like the end of February. It was like moments before. And when I released it in the fall of 2020, everyone was like, oh my God, this is so nostalgic because we all couldn't, we were all hadn't been at a bar in like six months. And everyone was like, oh, you guys are like at a bar, like licking on each other. Like, like it was all like sweaty and bodies and everything. And what's crazy is, and that was like the last video I put out because to me as an independent artist, it's a cycle. Mm-hmm. I put out music, I make a video, the video gets people excited, then they book me for a live show. Mm-hmm. So there were no live shows being booked and I didn't want to do music on Zoom. So I And I was busy doing podcasts, so I just sort of stopped making videos. And now that I know next summer we can like really probably get back to things i'm like gearing up to like release a bunch of stuff for 2022 so i can go on tour in the summer but last night was the first night la was like open and i went to a uh, there was like a soft opening at precinct in downtown la and i went and it was really it was like you didn't skip a beat all the same drunks were out but it made me think about my music video because I was like oh the last time I was in a fucking bar full of people and like hot dudes was when we shot the music video I love that it was also a polling station at some point during the pandemic so you shot your video your video in a gay bar slash polling station which is great I love that you gotta keep it you gotta keep it informed (laughs) you gotta keep your voice heard yes Um, I'm so excited to see you perform live again too I feel like you bring the energy and bring the sweat live that is promised in the video, which is thrilling. Honey, it's that's great. For damn sure. Speaking of, I went back to Metro. That was one of my first stops uh, back in the real world post vaccination. Oh, yeah. And they cute. They're great. Their backyard is like renovated. It's, I mean, not, they're always changing stuff out there, but it's looking particularly cute after having been gone for like a year and a half. Oh, amazing. That I love was that. lovely. So I hope you're back in New York soon. It'd be lovely to see you. And hopefully, I'll be, I'll be out in LA. Yes. Okay. Before we say goodbye, though, and we plug all your socials and we let people know where they can watch your video, I want to play a little game with you. It's just a fun, silly segment we reserve for the end. Sometimes it's not a game. Sometimes it's a rant, right? We've been cycling through a few different games. I like to test them out. But today I want to play one with you I call Queerly Beloved. And essentially what we are going to ask a guest to do, what we're going to ask you to do, is to eulogize a person, a trend, or a piece of queer lingo that has long since passed, but you feel never got its due credit or could ostensibly come back so when you've chosen let me know and i i will prompt you oh my god okay i think i have i have uh something Mm -hmm. yeah i'm ready okay so we have big dipper here 
Queerly beloved, we are gathered to honor the memory of... The term, my gay. You know, for many years, allyship was something that just sort of lurked in the darkness, and we didn't quite know how to identify as an ally or how to stand up as an ally. And so many women, particularly women like Kathy Griffin... uh, were vocal, were really vocal in, in, in sharing their allyship, and they would use a term, um, singularly my gay, uh, plural, <laughs> in the plural form, it would be my gays, uh, <laughs> in which she would not only refer to, but also invite queer people from every walk of life to join her uh, in celebration and uh, storytelling, in a moment to just be queer and gay together. And uh, though at the time, a lot of people found it uh, offensive, demeaning, possibly problematic. I do think that there was a, a certain power in it that we never let get to its full potential. So maybe it's not a uh, hot girl summer or <laughs> thought girl summer or whatever trend that we just all blindly do because Megan the Stallion is so great. Maybe this summer we need to bring back my gaze. You know it's what I'm the saying? summer of my gays. I love that. Where are my gays at? Where are my gays at? You I know, lo- I was going yeah. to the coffee shop with my gay. Uh, <laughs> he's the one who told me about oat milk. Like, do you remember that? The way my heart would literally melt if a handful of women called me their gay, though, I would just, it would be the highest compliment. I it was can't. like equal parts. Like when you witnessed it, you were like, like, I hate that. But then when it kind of happened to you, you were like, oh, I am that girl. Like, I'm the, I'm your gay. It was like the phrase that touched on the best friend syndrome that was very much the like 90s and early 2000s in TV. Where yes. like every gay was like in a couple of scenes and getting set up with the one other gay. But um, yeah, I just let's bring it back now that we're in the limelight. Let's do it. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, my gay. Okay, my gay. Yes. Thank you for that loving tribute to my gay. Uh, (laughs) May it rest in peace and come back soon in another life, in another form. All right, Big Dipper, we I, just, I've had so much fun with you today. I'm Likewise. saying we because I know our producers are probably still listening because this has been a lot of fun. I have had a lot of fun with you today, but we are at the end of the podcast, which means that I've got to say goodbye to you. But I want to know and I want our guests to know where can they find you online and find your work. Please plug your socials, your sites, whatever you got. Tell us where to find you. For a vast array of amazing music videos from an ode to LaCroix water to a fat boy car wash to leather daddies uh, uh, sweatily dancing in a gay bar, you can find all of my music videos on YouTube.com, a brand new little website where you can watch videos. Uh, just search Big Dipper, Big Dipper Rapper, Big Dipper Car Wash. You'll find me. I'll be out there. I'm very proud of all my music videos. You can uh, stream my music on all streaming sites. Uh, my artist's name is Big dipper or follow me everywhere at big dipper jelly because i'm full of jelly and then my podcast sloppy seconds comes out every tuesday and friday everywhere that you get podcasts and for all the mom shows and everything we talked about you can follow at mom podcasts please do it's truly the only good empire i've ever read about hey. uh, some fantastic work well thank you again Big Dipper for coming on it's been so good to see you again I hope I get to see you you in person you too this was so fun thank Thank you. you 
And if you've enjoyed today's podcast, please make sure to support the Gritty Podcast. You can subscribe, rate, and review our show right now, wherever you get your podcasts. You can give us five stars if you had fun. And you can get your Queerty fix every day and learn more about the headlines we talked about at Queerty.com. Queerty has been a joint production between Forever Dog and Q Digital. Queerty is hosted by me, Dave Gonzalez, produced by Andrew McGuire, engineered and edited by Shireen Lani Yunez, music by Gabe Lopez, executive produced by Joe Cilio, Brett Boehm, Alex Ramsey, Scott Gatz, John Halbach, Dan Tracer, and Melissa D. Mons. Forever! Forever!